And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that's coming into its own in its third season in existence. Just like Josh Green, who has not existed, but for three years. I'm Tim Cato, I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got Bobby Corrala from the Mavericks. Frequent guest, friend of the show, all of those things. If Look, if somebody comes on your podcast more than once, you have to say friend of the show. It's somewhere, when I went to podcasting school... For four years, when I got my podcasting degree, my master's of podcasting, something that definitely happened, they taught me. That was, you know, that was like one-on-one stuff right there. Friend of the podcast. Welcome. Like, like, how does that make you feel, Bobby? And because that's why we say it. We want to make people feel good. It makes me feel great, Tim. Thank you. And I think now, because I've been on multiple seasons, am I like a longtime friend of the show? Do I even uh, get that ooh. badge as well? You're like a recurring character, you know? Mm, like a featuring or like with right right you're, you're getting to the point that you know when we when you show up we have to put guest starring mm, bobby Crowell. i like that uh, is yeah. this the third season of the podcast tim or is this really only the second season of the podcast 2021 21 22 22 23 yeah third third season yeah but third was season. 2021 like a real rookie year or was that kind of like only partially a rookie year like what are Ooh. what are we talking we we kind of only got minutes about halfway through the season and not as many as mm. we got these next two. So in a lot of ways, we're like Josh Green. And in a lot of ways, I blame Rick Carlisle for us not getting more minutes that first season. So Rick is not a friend of the show. Uh, well, he's not a friend of. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. You know, wow. like it's okay. it's, it's his bombs. fault. Our development is not where it should be. I'm on board with that. That's how podcasts work, you know? I sign off. Yep, I agree. Anyway, we won't get too much into Jason Kidd seeming to have a um, axe to grind with Rick Carlo, which might not totally be wrong. Um, Look, the, you know. the man knows how to subtweet, okay? In the NBA, we love drama. We know drama. We, we were born in it, molded by it. Um, so I, I have no problem with some pettiness on display. On pettiness, and off the court. More more pettiness in the world. I think I think that if we were all just a little bit pettier and a little bit less, you know, you know, pettiness doesn't have to be mean. It can be nice in the right way. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Bobby, let's get a vibe check. Let's get a vibe check. Not about Josh Green specifically, although I think he's a big part of the current good vibes. But where are you at after two fairly decisive wins? Um 
you know, the Mavericks haven't been blown out a lot this season, but they haven't been blowing teams out. All of their losses have been, you know, these super close, um, you know, down to the, you know, final minutes. You know, they've played the most clutch games in the NBA, or at least they had going into the New York game. I'd have to double check and make sure that that's true because they have now played two blowout wins where Luka Doncic has not had to play in the fourth quarter. We're talking about a 21 point win against the Knicks over the weekend and we're recording Tuesday morning. And so last night, the Mavericks just won 130-111 to friend of the podcast, Phoenix Suns. They've they've made a few appearances. I'm not going to give them a guest starring role, but um, it's not a rent-free situation. But this is a familiar foe. How are you feeling? Uh, feels good to see the ball go through the net. You know, um, it just felt like for and they lost, what, five out of six games. And even some of the wins, you know, like the Clippers win back in mid-November, it felt kind of like a loss. You know, it felt like you went to the dentist and got like 18 cavities fixed. You know, just like, ugh, I guess you won the game. It's still, yeah, uh, it feels good for them to just finally just beat the doors off a team that was relatively healthy in New York and beat a team that somehow is number one in the conference, despite being real shorthanded in Phoenix and, you know, doing it, not only relying on Luca, just being individually brilliant, you know, they still haven't won a game this season whenever he scores under 30 points, but you know, the Phoenix game, you had like five guys get at least 15 points or something against the Knicks, you know, everyone finally made some shots. And so it's good to see, them not just be like the one-man show Mavs. You know, everyone got to have a little bit of fun. Jaden Hardy uh, almost matched Devin Booker's scoring output. Like, guys up and down the roster were able to make an impact, which I feel like that can just sort of, like, collectively uplift the team spirit um, because it's not like, yeah, they won, but Tim was one for 12. Or they won, but Christian Wood was just really awful. Or, like, Dinwiddie, man, Bullock, Finney Smith, like, these guys stunk. Like, everyone was good. You know, there's just like no further questions. Let's just move on to the next one. And it's nice to have a couple, you know, sort of uh, sort of wholesome blowouts like that after such a really dreary period of basketball. The 30 point stat with Luca feels a little bit different when he's scoring 30 points and playing under 30 minutes when he's not having to play the fourth quarter. So, you know, of course, this team still completely hinges on the success and um, of their best player and, you know, very reliant on him. But yeah, it just it, there's something different when, you know, it's it's not just him clicking like you said. We texted a little bit last week and we were debating various merits or reasons why the Mavericks weren't playing well. And I wrote a little bit about my thoughts, which is that the Mavericks are shooting, you know, or last, you know, last week when I wrote uh on Tuesday, the Mavericks were shooting very similar numbers on you know, the type of shots that the role players take, the wide open shots and the catch and shoot shots compared to last season. And I think your thought was more, you know, obviously not disagreeing with, you know, stats that I was able to pull, but more of a belief that there would be an uptick in the shooting, that this would be a better shooting team than last season. And that's where some of that offensive joy was going to come back and and be derived from is that a fair summation of of your uh your your take or your stance that that we were talking about because absolutely the last two games you know their adjustment has just been what if the threes go in yeah i mean that's you just wave a magic wand and you put on some deodorant and all of a sudden like yeah we're we're gonna go win the finals uh last five games they're 41 percent from three first four games of the season they were 41 percent from three uh, unfortunately, though, Tim, the 14 games in the middle, 
they were shooting 32% from three. That's a huge, huge gulf whenever you're taking like 40 or 50 of them a game. You know, that you're, that's like eight or nine points. And how many of these games have they lost by fewer than eight or nine points? Now, I'm not saying that they should be undefeated or that they are going to shoot over 40% from the rest of the season. But, you know, for a very large period of time now, and I think it's finally not the case anymore, but for a really large period of time, you had Tim, Luca, Maxi, and Reggie Bullock all shooting career lows from three. You had Dorian Finney-Smith shooting his worst percentage from three since Luca's rookie season. And whenever those are five of your top seven to eight minutes in terms of – or t- five uh, of your top guys in, in terms of minutes played, um, you know, that's it's really, really, really hard to win games whenever all of your guys that are supposed to be your best shooters are just, you know, building a house. And so – Eventually, that was going to turn around. Now, I didn't expect it to just turn around all at once. Uh, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is looking like Ray Allen out there right now. And, you know, regression goes both ways, right? I knew the Mavs would regress to become a better shooting team. And now, obviously, Tim Hardaway Jr. is not going to shoot 55% from three for the rest of the season. So he'll regress negatively. But by the time he cools off, hopefully one of these other guys, whether it's Bullock or Finney Smith, can heat up a little bit. You know, you don't need every single player on the team to be shooting it great simultaneously, but you can't have every single player on the team shooting it terribly simultaneously. Uh, you need two or three guys popping off every night. And now I don't, I don't know if the the magic stuff, the secret stuff is just putting Hardaway in the starting lineup. I feel like that introduces some problems as well as maybe some solutions, but you know, kid has shown he's going to ride the hot hand no matter who it is. And so for as long as Hardaway is just a, a walking flamethrower, um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to just keep riding him in the lineup. And then maybe if he cools off, you go back to Bullock or you go to green or whatever the case is. But, you know, they just needed somebody, anybody to heat up in these last few games, especially uh, last night against Phoenix. I mean, they were just unbelievable. Everybody was seeing it go in. And again, against New York, everyone saw it go in. And that is really good because, you know, shot making and confidence have been two issues this season. And it feels like the last couple of games, you know, maybe you're taking steps toward that not being the case anymore. Yeah, in my in my argument, my counter argument to to that last week um, was that it's exactly what you said. It's that you know they needed players to heat up, but they did have some players who were shooting you know really well already. Josh Green, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Christian Wood were all shooting you know probably percentages that will fall a little bit as the season you know once we get to game eighty two. Um, but I acknowledge that part of this is the idea that if you put Tim Hardaway back into the rotation for 82 games that if you add Christian Wood, who has been a, you know, 40% or above 40% shooter. um, And if you just get the development from Josh Green that we're seeing, I I do understand that there's also a real argument that this team should just be a better shooting team than it was last season that, you know, sure. Jalen Brunson's not there, but if you're still creating a bunch of three point looks and they're broadly going to better shooters um, or improving shooters and you're playing more shooters, you know, maybe that's really what this comes down to. It's just the idea that if you look at the team holistically, um, their overall percentage should, should go up. I, I do think Luca also hit, starting to hit some more step backs. Uh, he was four of nine in both of these games. Um, I, I think that's part of it. You know, the team has been taking more pull up twos or sorry, pull up threes, but they had been shooting a lot worse on pull up threes. And, you know, as much as I made an effort to focus on, you know, the wide open shots and the catch and shoot shots, because, you know, to some degree, this team lives and dies with what the role players do when they catch passes from Luca. 
it is also important that the team, you know, continues to hit the same shots that they hit last season. And part of that is Luca just hitting, you know, dumb, ridiculous step backs, you know, whenever he feels like it, um, you know, or at least hitting, you know, one out of every three, which is a pretty low baseline. And he hadn't even been clearing that for most of the season. So I, I think I think those are all, you know, reasonable. I, I think it's not even like a argument, counter argument, who's went, who's right, who's wrong. They're all like different ideas that it can exist in the same space about how we feel about this team. And as unlikely it is as it is, the Mavericks hit 24 threes again in a game like they did against New York. Or maybe that is likely. It wouldn't shock me if they hit 24 again. Um, it might not even shock me if they hit if they took 61 threes. But that's a big part of this. When you take 61 threes, you don't have to have an amazing shooting night to hit 24 of them. 61 was tied for the fourth most ever in any NBA game by any NBA team. And they shot 39% that night. They just took so many that, you know, 24, which is an astronomical number of threes to actually make, um, you know, was a fairly average shooting night for any average NBA team. And so I, I don't know how much those numbers will soar to quite those heights. And a lot of that was the way that New York was defending them. And quite frankly, not I, thought, defending them, Tim. I thought New York looked pretty bad in the second half, like almost kind of like turn it off. We're losing. Go on to the next one. But these are still games the Mavericks have not always won this season, you know, through 22 of uh, or 23 games now. And so for them to do that and for them to really reorientate the team around just making shots and taking a lot of shots. I see how that is, you know, a reasonable approach. The question is, how sustainable is this? Uh, are we going to get to a new stat where the Mavericks can't win a game if they don't hit, you know, like at least 15 threes in a game? Well, it could be. I mean, almost half their field goal attempts are threes. That's they take so many of them. And most now, of the league. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they take like the fewest shots in the league because they play at such a slow pace. And so by volume, yeah, highest they percentage are, of, yeah. yeah, I mean, miles ahead of the competition. And when you take that many, yeah, you're innately going to be relying on making at least a certain number of them. Um, but because you take so many, you don't have to be a top five shooting team. You don't have to be a top 10 shooting team. Last season after the All-Star break, they were only 15th in the league. So they were like right around league average, but they went 17 and six because you take so many and you get enough stops. And then Luca, you know, does his thing. You're well, going to win a push ton back of games. there a little bit. Are you sure that this doesn't need to be a top five or top 10 uh, shooting team if they're going to, to take that share and also understanding that this isn't a team that they, they shoot a lot of free throws, but their free throw percentage is pretty low. They don't get fast break points. They don't get, um, you know, a large share of offensive rebounds. They don't have they're efficient on their two pointers, but they don't, you know, only at the rim and they don't generate a ton there. My whole thing, and I know I've said this on podcast, and if you read me, um, you know, listeners will have heard this before. The other two teams that are taking very similar shares of two-pointers versus three-pointers is Golden State and Boston, two of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. I do think that they're, you know, being a top 10 three-point team in terms of percentage, in terms of conversion rates, is probably pretty important if you're going to take this share of them. And I think there's an argument the Mavericks can be a top 10 team, but I do think it's pretty important that they can't just be a 15th, you know, 15th, 16th in the league percentage wise like they were last season because this team is different than last season and they don't have as much two point shot creation. Yeah, I mean, I think 
if you stick with Hardaway in the starting lineup and stick with Denwitty, which that's a lot of projection and conjecture, obviously, because there's still a whole trade deadline and everything. But if you stick with Denwitty, Luca, Hardaway, and Powell in your starting lineup, those are four guys that we wouldn't consider to be like defensive stalwarts. You know, uh, now I feel like Tim in particular and Luca as well, these last few games have really stepped up the effort level, which is good. But you know, Wood playing a ton of minutes off the bench as well. You know, this team feels much more slanted toward offense than last year's team. And so if you are going to give up a, a few more points per game or a few more points per 100 possessions, however you want to view it, then, yeah, you are going to have to see an uptick in efficiency from somewhere. Um, but, like, they just went 1-5, right? So starting with that Denver loss to the to the Pistons loss, they went 1-5. They shot 36% from three, which is actually pretty good. I mean, that that's, like, on the on the cusp of top ten. But they were 62% from free throws in those games. And so, like, if even if you're going to shoot it really well, you still have to do other things. You know, I think that you can get by with being a league average to slightly above average three-point shooting team as long as you're not completely terrible at everything else. It just so happened that during that time, they were getting dominated in the open floor. They were getting dominated on the the Mavs defensive glass, so the opponent's offensive glass, and they were dominating themselves at the free throw line. So all of these things were breaking and, you know, shot making, they say, is the best deodorant, but not if like you've been bathing in mud for like three weeks straight, you know, you kind of need to take a shower at that point. So I think that you can get by with league average shooting as long as you're playing at least league average defense and you're doing everything else at a league average. But if you can't do that, and we've seen them be pretty consistently bad from the free throw line this season, and at times pretty consistently glad bad on the defensive glass, you know, then yeah, you are going to have to be better. I mean, that's kind of the the challenge that you present yourself whenever you make the decision to go away from Bullock and go toward Hardaway, you know, and go really lean into the Wood minutes as the lone big and play Luka and Dinwiddie together in the starting lineup as opposed to Bullock. Like you're you're making like these philosophical decisions one after the next toward offense. It means your offense better deliver. Otherwise it's going to be like 2019-20, 2020-21, whenever they were blowing a lot of leads, you know, just like they've done this season. So I, I don't want it to be a repeat of those years. I would rather be it, you know, more of a repeat of last year. Yeah, so I think I think we largely agree. I, I think I I feel a little bit strong more strongly than you that these, you know, what went wrong in that five game stretch, even though they're shooting league average, a little bit above league average from three, all those other things that, that went wrong, I feel are a little bit more baked into the core or the DNA of what this team is able to be. You know, I, sure. I think. That, well, and some of them too were, it yeah. was intangibles. The, like the effort level was not good. <laughs> it was, it was not good in those games. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Why do you think, or, or do you also get the sense that the Mavericks play better defense when they're hitting shots? Yes, one yeah. billion percent, yeah. Which is, I mean, I think that's a weakness. I think maybe other people might think... That's like a strength somehow, but I don't see how you could. Jason do that Kidd as a for good sure thing. thinks that's a weakness. Yeah, and and dude, I mean, Rick has been saying that for like five years. Like when you know during the Rick era, like when they would make shots, they play defense, and when they miss shots in the post game, every single game, he would say, "We cannot let offense affect the defense," and it feels like this year's team one hundred percent does that. I mean, going back to them taking the most threes, that does mean that this team is going to miss more shots than most teams in the league. Um, so you can see how when they're not having at least a 40% shooting night um, from behind the arc, that can trickle in a little bit more often. Um, I also agree with you in terms of, you know, they've positioned this starting lineup more towards offense than defense, um, which wasn't supposed to be the case starting this year, you know, quite the opposite of that. And yet here we are with Dwight Powell back in the starting lineup uh, with Tim Hardaway Jr. back in the starting lineup. Um, I think you're right that Tim Hardaway's played a little bit better. I, I still think they're limited or, or what they try to do defensively is, you know, they scale down a little bit. You know, like I, I don't think they sent double teams at Devin Booker on uh, sun, on Monday when Tim Hardaway Jr. was out there. Because if you send a double, there is a inherent scramble uh, defensive, you know, schemes that you fall into. Um, and it's fair to say schemes. If you're sending a double, you're expecting to start to play scramble defense. I don't think they think Tim Hardaway Jr. can do that. Um, and, and so you he saw did have a couple often. good. He had a couple good possessions one on one against yeah. Booker, though. That was like really impressed by. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, like his his he's clearly like Tim Hardaway Jr. is not someone who's like Facundo Campazzo, just doing the best with you know the athleticism he has. Like you know he is not a he he's never going to be a you know, above average defensive player, but he can be an average guy. He can be a system, you know, a, a solid system defender. Um, and we've seen that at stretches, you know, here and there. 
I just don't think it's something, you know, I, I think the Mavericks idea of what Tim Hardaway can be, which is like, let's fit him into the simplest scheme and just ask him to do very simple, simple things is probably the right approach. Um, you know, Luca, his effort has kind of gone up and down. Um, I thought his first half against New York was god awful defensively. Um, actually, just his effort in general in that first half against New York was very bad. And the second half, it was clearly there. And, you know, he's jokingly becoming to post game press conferences and, you know, immediately looking at his steals number and his blocks number and saying, you know, steals is my favorite stat, stuff like that. Um, but he would admit this. And I asked Jason Kidd about this. Like, that's probably not where you're. Uh, you know, gauging his defensive, um, you know, success or or lack of thereof on, and just a kid just instantly said, uh, "Ha, no, <laughs> like that yeah. is that is not what, uh, not yeah. not at all what he's what he's looking at uh, primarily." So, I I think that you know the the trends on that on the defensive side are probably um, they're better in the last two games, and I'm just really curious, you know, like what happens when this team isn't knocking down you know, uh, 17 plus threes in a game, because I think, I think that's kind of the next thing to watch out for and be like, how does the team adjust to this? Um, you know, what does it look like? Yeah. I mean, the effort level has to stay there. The intensity has to stay there. You can't be licking your wounds or feeling sorry for yourself, especially because now, you know, there's only one Dorian on the floor. And so if you're Luca, Tim or Dinwiddie, there's a really good chance that at least one of those guys is going to be defending like an all-star caliber player almost every time down the floor. And if they're feeling bad, then, you know, they're going to give up a layup. And Dwight is not an eraser back there. You know, Dorian, I feel like, has put in the Lord's work on some of these blocks coming out of nowhere. But, like, he can't do everything himself. And so, you know, just as it is with Luka on offense where you need other guys to step up, as long as the Mavs are committed to these more offensive mind players, you know, they need those guys to step up. They need them to be just at least league average. You know, just don't be a turnstile. Don't be a traffic cone. Um, don't do the the matador thing where you just get out of the way. I mean, you have to come up and make some sort of plays. You have to provide some sort of resistance. That's all that they're asking. I don't really think they're asking Tim to go put the clamps on Booker for 48 minutes. But if you can, like, at least make him work for his meal a few times then job well done. You know, you're probably going to force a miss and then everyone else has to bust their butt to get the rebound. That's what they're asking. Um, or at least that's what I think they're asking. They don't really let me in the locker room uh, pregame, you know, so not I, since I, the I don't incident. really know. Yeah, not since the incident. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't been allowed not. back in there. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We don't talk about that. Yeah, nope, nope, nope. Definitely not. You know who we talk about, though? Who? Josh Green. Oh, wow. Love yeah. that guy. Yeah. I, as much as we're talking about like structural issues with the Mavericks, you know, they don't get fast break points, they don't get offensive rebounds, they, you know, they're, you know, they're shifting to a more offensive-minded strategy, especially with Bullock's struggles. That there's only one Finney Smith out there. Josh Green is just the answer to every single one of those things, while also having, you know, one of the best three-point percentages in the NBA right now. Um, you know, just a guy who gets some easy buckets, a guy who has demonstratively improved his finishing at the rim something that isn't easy to just get better at it's easier when you're a you know the most athletic player on the team you know probably 95th percentile in the league like josh green is but we've seen a lot of really athletic players come into the league not be good finishers and never get better and so for him to improve in that area for him to get better at getting to the rim uh even off his own dribble like i i can't undersell how much 
Josh Green, you know, without Josh Green's breakout this season, this further step that he's taken, uh, this team would not be in nearly as good of a place. Yeah, the plays. So there were two. One was last night, the the little no look pass on the short roll whenever Phoenix yeah. like showed against Luca, and then there Took was one a play, dribble and then just lasered it to the opposite yeah, corner. No look too, just. Mm. And then there was a play against New York. He caught it on the wing. He didn't really have a step against Emmanuel quickly, and so he had to kind of break him down. But he did. He like crossed over, sort of did a half spin to get quickly on his hip, and then turned into the lane and then found Maxi. Like dropped off a little pass to Maxi for a layup. And that's like really advanced stuff. You know, you can make all the simple plays in the open floor in transition. You know, swing, swing, or like no defender is anywhere near you, and so you take one dribble, someone gets wide open. But he's like now breaking down defenses. In his last five games, he's averaging six drives a game. Uh, you know, doing stuff in the pick and roll with Luca. Teams are now actually starting to come out to him at the three point line, and he's getting past those guys. That's how he made that whirling dervish pass to Bertans against Golden State. He made a really nice pass to Maxi out of a similar situation against the Knicks as well. Uh, fired kind of like an underhand sidearm laser beam to Maxi, uh, attacking a closeout for a three. And so, you know, he's like making really, really advanced plays. And there's kind of nobody else. There's certainly no one else on this team with that level of quickness. I guess maybe Jaden Hardy is the other guy, but I mean, he's, I don't know if he's going to get steady minutes. Um, there's certainly nobody who's as good in the open floor. And there's really no one else at the wing position or anyone even outside of Luca. probably. Like, is it fair to say that Josh Green is probably like a, a better passer than Dinwiddie? Is that weird to say? I don't think so, no. I, I think, you know, the skill of passing and the making the actual right reads are two very different things. And clearly, Josh Green has more skillful passing, I guess, in his... But I think he's consistently making better reads. Yeah, he's making the I right think, play. I think even Dinwiddie. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think, now, I think you're right. He was sloppy with it at the beginning of the year. You know, it felt like yeah. he had a few too many turnovers trying to make this little drop-off pass to the big man. Um, but now he's finding shooters. Like, he's making really advanced passes. Um, really, it just has an unbelievable right. feel for the game. And so, you know, whenever you get him and Luca on the floor together, you're getting an athlete to speed up the game whenever Luca wants to slow it down. So like you have your two speeds that you can play, but then also you have your two best passers on the floor. And for now, at least you have your best shooter on the floor too in green. So like he just represents all these things that, that nobody else on the roster can really replicate at least at his position, if nothing else. And so, man, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say. I'm, I've been really, 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 really just like in awe of how quickly he's developed. It uh, feels like every game he gets better at something, um, even if his shooting numbers aren't there. And like you said about finishing, that happened overnight. I mean, that happened like literally overnight. And now he's like 80% in the restricted area. Like, this is unbelievable. I, I I do not remember seeing a guy have this sort of meteoric ride. And now we're not talking like go from like Anthony Simon scoring five a game to now scoring 25. But what Josh is doing, considering the the – level of relevance or irrelevance he had the last couple seasons has been it's it's been really really impressive yeah you you mentioned he was you know he's starting to do advanced stuff as well as simple stuff and you know you're right and i'm not underselling your point at all but what's simple for him which is running really fast and dunking really hard in transition that's simple because of the athlete it is but there's no other player on the mavericks roster who can even you know who even makes that simple you know i mean have they ever had a guy physical tools 
to make that simple, right? Have they ever had a guy period that can do that? I mean, like I maybe mean, Gerald Green a really long time ago. Like they just super duper turbo hyper mega athletes. We just have not seen many. I of remember them. like Brandon Wright, you know. Yeah, but he, I mean, he's nowhere near different the skill type of player, level though, right? Than Josh, you know, right? Yeah. And and if I can tease something real quick, Tim, uh, later today on the Mavs YouTube channel, there will be a Josh Green film room that I'm doing breaking down some Josh Green tape. So the hype train has just reached, uh, just you know, nuclear levels. If a train can do that look this hype train is going as fast as josh green in transition oh wow so you know it's watch gonna out be landry other... shamit we're gonna pick your pocket <laughs> bud who got the block on him and uh uh which suns player blocked him it got called as a foul i thought that was a clean block but i'm bringing that up to mm. say that oh yeah, josh oh, yeah. Green, that was yeah that was josh akogi i think that was an it amazing was a play it was yeah, a that was an amazing um, play. i thought it was clean but I do want to say that Josh Green is going to get someone this year, like in a really nasty way. It's yeah. coming. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it looked like I was kind of disappointed too because it looked like Josh was really trying to like measure his steps there, and he kind of like slowed down just a little bit. I was just like, just go, man, just jump off the wrong foot. You can get up there and do it. He can, right. he can do it. Somebody asked Josh Green uh, who the most athletic player on the team was uh, last night, uh, Monday night. You know, after the Phoenix game and. He gave a very diplomatic, um, we're a team full of great athletes. And then mm. got pushed a little bit more, thought about it some more. He decided to name uh, JaVale McGee. Okay. Meme on JaVale all you want, but that dude is a freak athlete. Like some yeah. of these lobs he, he finishes, right. are, yeah. they're unbelievable. They're yeah. unbelievable. I, I don't know how he has the coordination to do it. That said, I'm, I'm taking Josh Green. I agree. I will. Take I think him. he was being a, a little, a little humble, as you might say. Mm. Mm. Anyway. And well, that, we, you and me, Bobby, are never, ever humble. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going to promote all of our stuff always. So go, go watch Bobby's film room on Josh Green. I will be doing that. Read me when I write about Josh Green sometime very soon. I think that's my plan. And always listen to 77 Minutes, the only Mavericks podcast that's, you know, finally getting minutes, finally looking like... We can dunk on anybody who isn't named Josh Okogie. You know? And on that note, we'll see you next week. Or we'll see you later this week. I keep doing that. Two episodes it's right, a week. Tim. It's still That's early a lot in of your episodes. Career. You know? Yeah, you know, call it a call it a second year mistake because I didn't get a rookie year because I wasn't given minutes. Alright, this is going too long. See y'all. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go home. <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug. Man, that is a wrap. <laughs> Woo!